What's up, everybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah, how's it going? Um, so today's episode, I thought we would start off by reading a little poetry. Oh, boy. Yeah, and uh, the reason why is because poetry is one of those things that just tickles my intellectual curiosity in a way few things can. Is it? Yeah, it does. It tickles my intellectual curiosity, Don't Dan. Say it again, okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it tickles me. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so I thought that you know I should read you some poetry because uh-huh. it'll help you become a little bit more cultured. It could tickle like me. myself. It could tickle you. It could tickle. I'm pretty intellectual t- curiosity. I mean, I'm ticklish. I hope. I hope it. I hope it catches on. Yeah, I, I think it will. So let's please take this seriously. I'm gonna read <laughs> two poems, Dan. Okay. The first being. I'll take it seriously as I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. All right. The first one is Conquered Him by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Okay, uh, who did he conquer? No, no, Dan, Dan. Conquered is a place in oh. western Massachusetts. All right. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, he didn't conquer anybody. Oh, and, and it's to him. Yeah, it's, yeah, oh, okay. Ralph, Ralph, Ralph was a man. Okay. Emerson was a man. No, uh, okay, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, So let me, let me read, let me read. Let's, let's take the time. This is Conquered Him by Ralph Waldo Emerson. By the rude bridge that arched the flood, their flag to April's breeze unfurled. Here once the embattled farmers stood and fired the shot heard round the world. The foe long since in silence slept, alike the conqueror silent sleeps, and time the ruined bridge has swept down the dark stream which seaward creeps. On this green bank by this soft stream we set today a votive stone that memory may their deed redeem when like our sires our sons are gone. Spirit that made those heroes dare to die and leave their children free, bid time and nature gently spare the shaft we raise to them and thee. Dan, are you awake? Oh, fuck. What? <laughs> are, you, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. That was Conquer Him by oh. Ralph Waldo Emerson. What did that poem mean to you, Dan? Uh, I mean, I, I took a lot from it. You said it was about a bridge? All right, let's move on. (laughs) The next one. This is, Dan, this is The Splendor Falls by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Nice. A funny story about Tennyson, actually, Dan, is I lived on Tennyson Road in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Okay. Really? Yeah. That's pretty interesting. In Poets Corner. Eating venison? (laughs) Living on Tennyson, eating venison. I didn't need any venison oh, when I was okay. living on Tennyson. Well, that seems far-fetched, but all right. But let, let's, ta- let's, let's, let's take it back, everybody. Oh. This is The Splendor Falls by Alfred Lord Tennyson. The splendor falls on castle walls and snowy summits old in story. The long light shakes across the lakes and the wild cataract leaps in glory. Blow, bugle, blow, set the wild echoes flying. Blow, bugle, answer, echoes, die. Dying. Oh. Dying. Oh, three times? Oh, hark! Oh, hear! How thin and clear, and thinner, clearer, farther going. Oh, sweet and far from cliff and scar, the horns of Elfland faintly blowing. I feel like I'm having a stroke. (laughs) Blow! Let us hear the purple glens replying. Blow, bugles, answer, echoes. Dying. 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 Dying three times again? Oh, love, they die in yon rich sky. They faint on hill or field or river. Our echoes roll from soul to soul and grow forever and forever. Blow, bugle, blow. Set the wild echoes flying and answer, echoes, answer. There's a lot of repetition in this. Dying. Wow. 
that was The Splendor Falls by Alfred Lord Tennyson. I actually like that one a lot. Yeah, that one's very sick. It didn't make that much sense, but I enjoyed it because there was a lot of repetition. I think there's definitely a deeper meaning there, but uh-huh. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm glad you put a lot of research into this and uh, yes. really wanted to help me out. Yeah, of course, Dan. Um, so those are two of my favorite poems. I, I mean, I like I like those poems. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. What do you take from each of those poems? Well, the first one is about the uh, first battle in the Revolutionary War. Oh, wow. Fought and conquered. I actually, I used to go there, and there was a battle in this bridge. The, the American troops saw the Redcoats marching up the main street in Concord, oh, yeah? and the American militia, Minutemen yeah. came over the hill uh-huh. and down across the bridge, across the river. And the British fired the first shot, and that's considered the shot mm. heard around the world because it started the greatest revolution in the history of the world. That's sick. And led to the creation of the finest country known to man. What? All right. And maybe not the finest. <laughs> certainly one of the most dominant. Um, yeah. I mean, I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's very cool. And then... There's um, more than I took from it. Go ahead. <laughs> What did you take from No, 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 no. it's fine. <laughs> okay, the splendor, the splendor falls is clearly about splendor falls really? on class on castle walls. Something about a bugle blowing. I think <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know what this one's about, but I just think it's beautiful and it's fun to read. I, yeah, it was. so that's why I like. It was fun I to like saying it. I have, I mean, I have a, I have a poem. Wait, you idea. you brought a poem? I have a poem. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, I like this poem. Um, this poem is about kind of uh, self, you know, self-image, um, you know, people's bodies and the ab- the ability to kind of transform your body issues oh, this and, is... and, and transcend them. That, that's great for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. Um, Martha was ugly like a shaven baboon. So she wrapped herself up in a curtain cocoon. And after a week, she finally emerged. She smelled like shit. What a psycho. That's from Bo Burnham. That's it? Yep. Wow, that was so powerful. I guess you can't trans- transcend them. That's the moral of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you stink, you stink. Yeah. And if you look like a baboon, you look Don't like a baboon. Don't wrap yourself in a cocoon for a week. Yeah. Wow, okay. Thank yeah. you, Dan. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Bo. Thank you. Thank You're you, Will. You're welcome, Dan. I, I'm glad I was able to tickle your intellectual curiosity yeah, today. I've certainly been tickled. Yeah, so today um, we have a Zoom interview. Yes, indeed. Because uh, this person is not in the same area that we are, obviously. Yeah, he's in West Lafayette, Indiana at Purdue University. Almost all the way across the country. Almost all the way across the country, except it's really the middle of the country. So. Yeah, I don't know anything about Yeah, he's in, West Lef- he's, <laughs> what? he's in West Lafayette, Indiana. West Lafayette. And it's Rashav Ghosh, everybody. He is our best friend from high school. Mm-hmm. We love him to bits. The Indian Mamba. His nickname is the Indian Mamba. And to be quite honest, he's changed my life and helped me me become a much better person. So I'm really proud to introduce him to you all today. Rashav Ghosh, everybody. How do I know? I'm going to click on Rashav more. Uh, allow record. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. That was fast. Let's go. All right. I'm, I'm recording too now. Yo, why are you reading a book on Nelson Mandela right now, bro? Yeah. Long walk to freedom. That's, that's lit. I'm only looking at the picture. <laughs> classic sus move. Yeah, very classic. Sir Shaw, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, you know. It's a nice day in West, uh, West Lafayette. 
Where not is much that? Enough for. Uh, Indiana, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's sick. It's a, a nice 78-degree day. Indiana. Cool breeze. How are the mosquitoes? What? Aren't there big mosquitoes in Indiana? Huh? Someone told me that. Hey, Rashad. Uh, have you ever seen a mosquito <laughs> in Indiana? I mean... I haven't seen any less mosquitoes in Indiana than California. Okay. All right. Or, and I haven't seen any giant ones, but. So basically I was completely wrong. Hey, I mean, if that's the worst stereotype you hear about Indiana, then that's, that's pretty (laughs) good. Good. Yeah. So, um, you're at school right now. What classes are you taking? Yeah. So I'm only taking. Hey guys, sorry about that dinging noise. Um, that's the notification every time I get a new email. Uh, I get a bunch of emails because I'm a man in high demand, and uh, you hear the noise because we're terrible at running a podcast. And we just do it straight off Will's computer. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Continue. And then I'm taking engineering economics. So pretty light schedule so far. Nice. It sounds like you're going to be the next uh, product manager at uh, Microsoft. Yeah, basically. Basically, that's the goal. That's the goal. Yo, Rashad, have you ever listen to the pod have you listened to either of the first two podcasts so you literally have no idea what's going on um i was in bed one night coming back from going out and then it was like maybe two in the morning i saw like one of your guys instagram stories and then i'm pretty sure i just i clicked on the one with luke in it and then luke was just saying some phrase and then i just remember you saying like luke please never say that again send it yeah yeah that's that's all i got then i shut off then i shut it off and you know went blissfully to sleep yeah. that's so fun. that's fair yeah good nice. so so basically the podcast put you to sleep that's great what no that's no no that's the opposite of what we're trying to what are you talking about that's great we don't want the podcast to put people to sleep well, it's enjoyable enough that you can fall asleep while listening to it. That's, but yeah, Dan. To be fair, I got exactly what I needed to end my night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was incredibly effective. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's yeah. great. Good. I did a I did a strategy where I just like skipped to the middle of it, uh-huh. and you know, it was good. <laughs> Skip straight to the okay. full send. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. So where have you been going out during uh, coronavirus? Like, how how does that work? Yo. Uh, on the low, what's the outreach of this podcast? You know, it's a fair question. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked. It's a fair question, you know? It's like nothing at all. All right, let me, let me preface this. All right. I think every state across the country, right, has been dealing with COVID differently and everyone has different, you know, regulations, different restrictions, yeah. right? But the one thing is, is that shouldn't human character be the same throughout? Like no matter where you live, you should be willing to do the same thing. Right. Am I with, are you guys with me or is that, is that a little off right there? No, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Human nature is universal. Exactly. Our exactly. Policies are not universal. Exactly. So here being in Indiana where the bars are still open, um, you basically, you go to a bar and you just sit at a table. So it's kind of like a restaurant and you have like a waiter and they bring you drinks. It's not like a huge packed place. Right. But obviously doing that rather than just sitting in your apartment is going to give you a higher chance of, exactly. So it's like, I think I'm a good person. Right. But then there's the hypocrisy, right? Yeah. And right now I'm probably somewhere in the middle, you know, because I'm not going to like crazy house parties. Right. Yeah. But I still, I turned 21 in quarantine. 
I'm still, I turned 21 quarantine. I'm still trying to have a good time, you know? So it's like kind of, you know, weighing, you know, how to be maybe not the most socially, you know, just maybe, maybe that's what I'm going for, but still bending, walking that line of being a good person. How, so how often are you going out? Hmm. It's a good question. Okay. I get a, I get a, I, like, I get a drink Snapchat like at least twice a week. <laughs> okay, can we go with twice a week then? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, we'll we'll sell we'll sell it to you twice a week. That's good. Yeah, that's nice. Also, I'll say, oh, I'll say, if we were to do an over under, it'd probably be you. If you were to bet ten dollars on four times, <laughs> I would bet the under. But like it's kind of like betting on the on the Thunder to beat the Rockets in seven, you know? Right. But there's still a shot. All right, like guys, all right. Can I case in point? All right. What? Just ready, just ready. Can you guys read this? No. What? What? When <laughs> Okay. All right. Basically the case in point the case in point I was trying to make. I'll send a screenshot to the, the interviewers. Good. <laughs> but was the fact when we're talking about the over under plus four. When I when I get it when I get a text like this, am I just supposed to say no? She said, oh, I see, I see. "Harry's today after okay. class. I Harry's is a bar at Purdue." It was a guy. Oh and yeah, and like they, that's when the, the perfect sense. Yeah, the, the hypocrisy, socially just, you know, conundrum is into play. If you're you not know? the one initiating the the activity in the bars, then you don't have any liability. You're just agreeing to go with your friends. Yo, Will, that's – if that argument can be made on so many social justice issues right now, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it would be a very bad place. Uh, but, yeah, fair. Yeah, you know. So that's uh, pretty controversial. But you you can, yeah, but you can excuse <laughs> yourself. You're just saying, look, my friend initiated Okay, let's, let's, let's cool <laughs> off. Let's change the subject a little bit to something a little bit less controversial. Rashad, in the yeah. current climate <laughs> – What's it like being a minority in Indiana? You know, <laughs> that's a, I'm glad, it's, a, it's a good question. I'm glad you brought it up. You know, it's like, you know, going to school back in California in uh, LGHS, for those of you listening, it stands for Los Gatos High School. Whoa. Uh, yes. And, you know, that school was predominantly white, you know? Sounds Mexican. <laughs> and, you know... I feel like you kind of have to, uh, you know, walk the line. And, uh, you know, there's something that I've always, you know, kind of struggled with is that, you know, how do you be true to yourself without trying to assimilate fully, you know? Mm. Did that make sense? Yeah. 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 You know, many times, like I'm not, you guys know, I'm not the most culturally Indian person around, you know? Yeah. Oh, I remember, specifically, I remember I cited you in an essay. I told you about this. I I, I wrote an essay about assimilation in America. Mm -hmm for immigrants and I yeah. cited you as like my like real life example of, of like assimilation like being kind of good do you remember that because I remember t- talking to you about that like writing it yeah this yeah like years ago yeah yeah no I do remember that but yo but uh can I ask you another question yeah do you remember do you remember I don't know if you remember this, this is a very very minute detail okay. but we were you know I think in my neighborhood or maybe some neighborhood, we were chilling, you know, only up to good things like usual. Yep, chilling. 
And we saw this clearly, clearly, you know, first generation immigrant, like walking his dog and we could just tell by the clothes. Yeah. And then I asked you, what makes me different than that guy when I'm like 45? Do you remember that situation, Dan? I don't, but I'm sure that, that sounds this is insane. Be horrifying. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. Oh, we talked. We, it was a good, positive conversation. You just said that my fashion, my fashion sense is just too good for that. I wouldn't yeah. be. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be on a walk wearing slacks. You know. Yeah. Okay. That's, no, yeah, Rashad, that's good, you'd yeah. be rocking Allbirds, the light blue oh, shoes, yeah. a Lowe's yeah. t-shirt. Yeah. No, dude, no, dude. This is. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. This is a uh, strictly Under Armour. Strictly, strictly Strict Under, Under Armour. Armour. Wow, are you sponsored now? Did you get a corporate deal with Under Armour? I mean, yeah. I mean, Steph's hurt. Someone's got to step up. Yeah, she's a guy. You're so rough. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, but sorry, but sorry, sorry. Going back to the being a minority in Indiana. Right. All right. Yeah. All right. I think it's it's pretty much the same. I think the one thing, like obviously, being like the only minority there to people that don't have college educations. That have been that there was a couple heroin busts in the parking lot, mm-hmm. you know Jesus. that type of that class of people, you know, yeah, you get you get a couple of seconds extra glance, you know. I wish I could ima- like imagine what that's like. Yeah, but I, I just yeah. can't. Which is it really? Why was it not? It was good. It was like nice in Louisville. Your most recent, don't do that. Obviously. Yeah, my last internship was really good, just because most people, like even like the hourly workers, a lot of them had college degrees, so they're just more like. You know, they've lived a little, you know, Louisville, Kentucky is like a major city. Mm-hmm. I was in a town called North Vernon, Indiana, with like a population of like 8,000 the summer before. Good God. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, I never really this kind of, kind of, your experience was like, Rashad, you could have murdered somebody there and like nobody would have known. I mean, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> my boss's car got stolen while I was there. Yeah. Wow. That's madness. And, you know, the fact, the thing is, like, the reason why I say no, you couldn't get away with it is because the police know every single person that lives there. Like, oh, okay. they were able to, they were able to look at the Walmart video camera where the car got stolen mm-hmm. and identify the guy and go to his place and get the car back in the span of two hours. Did he hotwire it? He hotwired the No, car? I mean, my manager, you know. Okay. He leaves his car unlocked and the keys on the seat. So <laughs> we're, we're using this. We're using the term <laughs> "stolen" quite loosely, but someone just still. bought it for a joyride. They didn't actually steal it. They exactly. 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 All right. So you want to get into the meat of this interview, Rashad? Oh, are we? Are we still at the appetizer? Yeah. This is that was the appetizer. So now, now we're at the. So meat being a, being a minority in America was the appetizer. I can only imagine what the what yeah. the entree is. Yeah, so the, 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 the beginning of the entree, the first course of the entrees, this is pretty insane. I want to ask you, where did the Indian Mamba begin? What's the story where, behind the Mamba? Where, the, where did the Indian Mamba begin? So, okay, we all start. So I was a huge Kobe fan growing up, right? Yep. Yep. Because my dad, as you guys know, is a huge Lakers fan, mm-hmm. turned Warriors fan, to turn doesn't watch basketball anymore because the Warriors are bad. But <laughs> so... I was a huge Kobe fan growing up, and then I always wanted to wear 24. And I think it wasn't until Fisher Middle School, um, where out on the basketball team, where I got 24. Oh, and then I think someone on the team just called me the Indian Mamba instead of the Black Mamba. God, and then 
the gamer tag on Xbox Live was built. Yeah. Indian Mamba swag. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then now on PS State on PlayStation Live, it's Indian Mamba ninety nine. So you know. Ninety nine. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Do you know why it's ninety nine, Dan? Because six nine was taken. No. Dang, that'd have been good though. No, it's because I'm born in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, that makes sense. That's nice. Can Can you describe the like the personality and the mentality of the Indian Mamba? You know how there's mama mentality for Kobe? Like, what's the yeah, mama yeah. mentality? Yeah, let me, all right, I can answer this, but I kind of want to throw it back at you guys first. Because I feel like I've changed a good amount of my personality since, you know, uh-huh. coming to college. Yep. Like, what mattered, me to the, what mattered to me the most now, I think is different than me in high school. That, so, I'll say in high school, <laughs> well, I didn't even hear what Dan said. Dan, he said, I would hope so. Would hope so. <laughs> mm. Mm. Ouch, was that a burn? I guess. Not really, no. Mm. So that was my mentality in high school. I think uh, I was, like, obviously very driven, but not willing to put in the work, right. first of all. Um, next, I, I kind of, you know, high school is definitely a game, right, where it was all about connections. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, like, establishing those connections and, like, utilizing them to the best of your benefit, I think I put, put on display from every waking tutorial to lunch yeah 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 so you know i think that was me but what i found was that like you know getting stuff done is one thing but getting stuff the r- done the right way is another yeah for yeah. sure I, i've had the same experience putting sure. your head down and, oh I, yeah I, I i mean i can relate to you on that because like that's the main thing i was talking to will the other day about this and also i think we talked to travis about it like the main thing that i've learned in college is just how to work like I could never just like put my head down and work in um, in high school. And also thinking about it now, a lot of that was because I was looking at like you and Will and Betty, and you were just going ham in like tutorials and getting like A's, and I was mm-hmm. just sucking ass. You know, like I, I I like studied for two hours at home. Yeah. But like that would that would never be enough. I would be like, oh wait, two hours? That's more than they did, so it should be enough. No, it has nothing to do. What other people do have nothing to do. I mean, Dan, I would wake up in the morning at like 5 a.m. and study for two hours before school if I had a test. Yeah, that's insane. Normal people can't do that. Wake up at 5 and study for two hours? No, they can, but like normal people just study the day before and like the days leading up. I don't know. I, I just no, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm 100% yeah, with that. I'm on that. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, definitely. I'm definitely more of a night owl than an early morning person. Like, now you're getting mama mentality is like put your head down work get shit done on your own like bang it out I would, no, okay i i don't like obviously i will not say i do everything alone now even that would be far as far as but i think it's kind of the way i get things done i think i was pretty pretty ruthless in high school you know so then uh yeah so you know you know there's you know, some names that come to mind where you know i think the extent of our relationship kind of ended on a tutorial and lunch yeah Yeah. Uh, but now like but now like all the relationships in my life we hang out all the time and now i kind of we work together rather than like it being more one-sided you know so i definitely surround myself with people that i think are smarter than myself which helps me but it's not i'm not just like fully relying on them that's sick Mm -hmm. that's a really good way to do it i'm still struggling to like work to work with other people because I just get insecure. Like I like when mm-hmm. someone's doing something way faster than me or better than me. Like it, it makes me upset because I'm like, wow, I should be doing better. 
the main point of this podcast is discover the dreams and aspirations of really great people. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you as a really great person, what are your dreams and aspirations? Mm. I think, yeah. And I think this has changed the most since coming, coming to school. Mm. It's like the balance of financial success compared to like personal success. And then by personal success, I mean like relationship success, like, I've, I've been uh, going to bed every night and I'm like, you know how a lot of people like go through their day and they're like, was it a productive day? Yeah. I think people stop it at just like material things like, all right, did I study enough? Did I do well enough? I think people need to focus more on like, all right, did I develop a relationship more? Did I communicate with someone? Did I make someone's day? Stuff like that. So, you know, not being so, I don't think I'm so driven about like the financial, like the bottom line anymore. I think it's also a more like, all right, Interpersonal relationships are very important to me. Like caring about other people is very important to me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my definition of success has changed. But still, behind all that, that's kind of my everyday life. I'm still very driven to like, all right, I have a goal by like by the t- by the time I'm 30, you know, me me pity and maybe sus. I'm gonna be we be back, we out in the 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 coast of California, living in our beach house with our stack. So yeah, it's kind of just. All right, so that's good that yeah. I, that hasn't changed because I remember in high school you would say things like, "Ah, Bill Gates, he reminds me of a young me." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the, I mean the answer. The jury is still out on that one. The jury is the jury is still out on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, obviously, but I think the confidence is, you know. Confidence is uh, not depleted in any way, and that's good to see. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, my focus on success, I think, has changed. Like, the definition of success yeah. has changed. What do you think drove the change to focusing more on inter- like interpersonal relationships? That's a good question. What do you think drived that change? In- drived. Yeah, no, I know. That was wrong. Yeah, yeah I think um, – how do I put this? I think it's – is clout chasing a appropriate term here? I think a lot of people get caught up on like what society tells them is like good. And like they measure themselves on like what other people think. Yeah. And I think I did a most, I would say 99% of my life in, in high school was based off like, all right, what do other people think I should be doing? Like what will other people think is cool? Stuff like that. Yeah, right. But now in college, like obviously that's not gone completely away. I'm also more focused on like, all right, what really matters to me personally? Like, how am I like going to be a good person? Like my definition of a good person isn't anymore like what other people think is a good person. Yeah, but wh- why? Why do you think why? now? Yeah, why, why, why did it change? I, in my, honestly, I don't, I can't pinpoint it exactly. I think it's, it's uh, like the, one thing is maybe leaving California, I think. Like the atmosphere of India. Yeah, I think then, yeah, the environment. I think you go from you come from California, right? Where people are like, obviously, I don't think our school. I think our school was competitive, but it wasn't crazy. Like it wasn't like cutthroat or anything. Like people weren't committing suicide, like other high schools around our area. Yeah. But also, like people were still like, you know, you would go, you get a text from like six people, like, "What grade did you get on an exam?" Yeah. 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 That has not happened to me one time in Indiana. Mhm. Yep. So like, and also just like people are generally like more willing to help here. Like, obviously, like, we were always willing to help each other back in high school. But, like, I think just the, the common person here in Indiana is more willing to help each other. Okay. And I think that kind of just rubbed off on me and stuff like that. So, I think it's all the people I interact with. 
there's yeah. like more selflessness in in Indiana. Exactly. I mean, like for the people I've met from the Midwest at Stanford are in general way kinder, way more mm-hmm. caring, way more community oriented. Um, so like I, I have a similar experience. If that makes sense. Yeah. And then I think that the general aspirations are different. Not that it's good or bad. Like I think back home, like with the startup environment, like we're like, all right, CEO is like yeah. the goal. Right. But here in Indiana, I don't think I know a lot of people that like their dream, like they must be entrepreneurial and start their own company. It's like, yeah. all right, I want to get a good job with my engineering degree, get paid pretty well, start a family and like live a comfortable lifestyle. So I think just like and the balance. That's just exemplified by like we like we here in Los Gatos we see like wa- we see was just driving around yeah. casually. Guys, try being at Stanford. Yeah, it's like Los Gatos to like a hundred x. Yeah, it's just insane. Like, I wish I could experience what you're experiencing, Rashav. That like people are okay with settling for a good job, a good family, a good life. Because like my experience is, you know, there's just so much pressure that you have to be the best at whatever you do. Has it, so is that, it's gone the other way, like so what Rashab is saying, how that it's changed in Indiana from uh, Los Gatos, has it gone the other direction for Stanford? Oh yeah, for, for me, yeah. Oh, okay, wow, because I'm, I'm with Rashab, it's gone, it's gone way down in that aspect. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it makes, it makes life a lot easier when the people around you are just like chill, low key. Yeah. They have very, like their priorities are set and they're very realistic priorities too. Yeah. That's something that, you know, is really nice. Yeah. Well, Rashav, so that was, I mean, that was a great answer. We haven't heard anything like that so far on this podcast. Rashav, can I go back to the, um, I want to go back to the Indian Mamba mentality. What would you say to all the young Mambas out there right now? What advice would you give them? Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing about me is that I don't stress much at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes with, just the ability to like, if you go about life the right way, you'll get stuff done. Like I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Like this past summer, my internship got rescinded my first one. And like, unlike other people, I didn't like freak out, feel the need to like contact a hundred people. Yeah. I just went about my business, you know, kept my head down, applied a little bit places. And then like an opportunity arose. So it's just like, I was you, fast you got that job. Yeah, it was like it's 10 days. Ridiculous. Exactly, exactly. So it's just like, if you put your head down, believe in yourself, like this sounds really cliche, but if you always like believe in yourself that you can get stuff done, you're going to be so much less stressed. Because I think there's only so much you can control yourself. And a lot of the other stuff is just like up to like, maybe not fate, but just like you can't, there's so many factors that you can't control. So it's just like, yeah, believe in what you can do yourself. And if you do things the right way, everything's going to work out. Well, that, that advice you gave to young people is definitely really good. I need to heed that advice a little more. I think it was actually young mambas, not young people. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, the young mambas. Like myself, yeah. I'm an aspiring mamba. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure, I'm I mean, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's people out there looking at me and thinking to themselves, like, wow, Rashad reminds me of a young me. There we go. I knew. There it is. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. So, Sean, you sort of touched on this, but what motivates you? Like, what's your mo- what are the motivating factors in your life? Yeah, okay. So, obviously, there's always going to be, like, financial success, right? Like, if I go to school for four years, get an engineering degree, and I'm not making, like, 100-something K in, like, three years, something seriously went wrong. So, that's, like, a minimum, all right? 
Because okay. I go with the financial financial side, right? And also personally, like, I think one of the biggest things that I realize is that I want to make relationships with people and not have them like be into my material stuff. So, like, I don't want, I don't want like my relationships in life to be like a LinkedIn resume, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I don't want someone to like come up to me and like only talk to me because like okay maybe i have some good job and they want to network with that like obviously relationships like that are bound to happen but what motivates me is like i want i want to have that same mindset with other people as well i think the biggest thing another thing that i didn't touch on before that changed from going from california to indiana it was like that cool card mentality i think there was a lot of people in california that i just wouldn't mess around with just because i thought like they weren't cool or whatever in indiana that's totally not the case so like kind of just like keeping an open mind about people and like even if like okay maybe they don't they're not usually like they're not you know they're not wearing they, they might be wearing high socks and asics you know you know and you know that's fine you know maybe there's more to them and like <laughs> <laughs> does that make sense yeah, yeah it does you're looking for the homies you know like you're, you're yeah. motivated to yeah. meet the homies to meet your real friends to make like legitimate connections exactly Bruce, yeah. where are you um are you, were you trying to end, like, in that three years, were you trying to end up after Purdue, you know? I'm probably, you'll probably catch me at business school. Okay. You know, I'm trying to get my MBA. So right now, my mindset is, like, get a job, work for, like, three or four years, and then save as much money as I can. Maybe there'll be, like, an executive MBA program where, where the company pays for it. Where do you want to get the job at? Like, where would the job be working for Purdue? Yeah, so that this question has changed a lot. So I think last year, I was really into consulting. So I was, like, going for, like, the big consulting firms. My first internship was at a consulting firm as well, but now I worked in manufacturing this past summer, mm-hmm. making alcohol, making fireball every day. Yeah, yeah, baby. And like that was, that was pretty fun as well. But I kind of realized that my biggest strength will always be like, I'm not going to have the best engineering. I will never be the smartest person in any room I go into, but I think I have enough intelligence. I'll be able to connect maybe some people that don't have the best communication yeah. or, you know, so like my like project manager, you know, group manager type roles, like for the interim before we make it big and like come up with the next big idea. Oh yeah. Um, will be like my path. That's sick. Do you have any like geographical location preference? That's what I was asking. Like one of the, that was a great answer. Yeah. One of the, okay. one of the things we like to ask is like, like, where do you see yourself in? Like we can say, you know, think, three years yeah. from now, like, like gotcha. where are you? What are you doing? Jan September third, twenty twenty one. I cannot tell you where I will be. Yeah, I have no, I have no idea. Um, I will say I'd rather be in a major city. Uh-huh. Yeah. But also, I've seen that like this also comes to just like my willingness to like just rely on myself. Like I've seen that people who are willing to move end up doing a lot better faster. Yeah. So like, if I'm willing to move to like Texas for a couple of years, then move to like North Carolina, and then move to like Ohio or whatever, I'm pretty sure I'm okay with doing that. Right. Just. And then at a certain point, maybe like if I, you know, settle down, get married. And then at that age, like maybe that's like late twenties, early thirties, wherever that age I might be, yeah. then I'll be like, all right, probably want to go to like, probably, you know, either California, um, a coast, like maybe North Carolina would be good, you know, stuff like that. Oh, you guys want to hear about another aspect of my life, a hobby that I picked up? Yeah. yeah. I'm not too proud of, well, I'm not too proud of, but I'm willing to share to your thousands of listeners. Good thousand what go ahead um so my roommate started using FanDuel because oh, betting on sports, on sports, sports now legal legal in indiana 
And for I bet $10 one time, and then I got $100 in credit. What was it? What was the bet? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Dan, I'm, you know me. I'm always go big or go home. So I haven't bet, for, I haven't bet anything that's less than plus 309 odds. <laughs> so I've lost, I'm 0 for 7 right now on bets. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have made profit if you won 100 bucks. Exactly. So I only have to win once. So like yesterday or two days ago, I bet on the, the Nuggets Utah game. Uh, well, I said Nuggets and then I said Utah Nuggets Jazz game. And I bet Jokic would get three threes. He only got two. Donovan Mitchell would score 35 points. He yep. only scored like 22. And then Donovan Mitchell would hit four threes. He only made two. Good. But if I had won that, I would have made $72. Dude, sports betting, it's an addiction, man. There's a guy in my house who literally bets like every sporting event possible and he makes money cause he's good at it, but like, it's like an addiction. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to put any more of my own money into it. I have like $60 left in the credit that I got. Yeah. That makes, so, sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But yeah, that's still hella dope. Yeah. That's was super fun. I know if I started doing that, I would get way too into it. What was the yeah, original yeah. bet that you put $10 in? Do you remember? Um, yeah. The paces were, it was a live bet. I was just sitting on the couch and my roommate came down, drinking, came uh, over. Drinking um, Truly? No, I wasn't drinking a Truly. If anything, I was drinking a Michelob Ultra because that's sponsored by the NBA and I'm sponsored by Under Armour. So, <laughs> were you watching and were you watching a Heat Pacers game? I was watching a Heat Pacers game. Oh, damn. So and the Pacers were down seven mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. And if I bet $10, I would have won like 130 So... I bet ten dollars and they end up losing by twenty, but that was the first bet. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, well, Shab, this has been an absolute joy. We love we love speaking with you. You're, you're yeah, like yeah, best friend. Yeah, but have we? Have, are there usually more structure to the interviews? Because I, I feel like I was all over the place. <laughs> by far the most. This has been the most structured, and it's not even close. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm. That I don't know if that's a lot about me or less about you guys, but. You know, now, or maybe you, it says more about you guys. We're just learning more. We're, we're just, just learning more how to do it. And like, we're trying to actually have set questions before we start instead of just like <laughs> trying to riff off the. Yeah. All right. And then when this inevitably, inevitably goes on your guys' snap, uh, Instagram stories, mm-hmm. can you, can one of you guys write in a really small font for all the young mambas out there? Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. We definitely will. We definitely will. All right. Love you, Rashad. Oh, yeah. All right. See you later, guys. Bye. quite the falsetto oh thank you very much man yeah that's awesome yeah you know what's crazy remember when i was in japan dan yeah i do remember that so last summer yeah last summer i listened to that song Mm -hmm. every time i was just like depressed or anxious because (laughs) i was in a foreign country all alone (laughs) i would listen to that song tub thumping by chumbawamba i mean yeah that song seems to be at the same pace that japan seemed to be at all times oh am i wrong in saying that uh no very, you're not you're not wrong at all you're very correct. intense and it's very fast intense fast paced
it was crazy. You know, I, I went there to work a job mm-hmm. at this really great, powerful consulting company. It was, you worked for Mitsubishi, right? Yeah, it was one of the companies of the Mitsubishi family. And you were, and I was doing a project on AI's impact on education. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, Mitsubishi's a family. Yeah. And they own 652 companies. Huge. And Mitsubishi Research Institute is part of sort of the inner sanctum mm-hmm. and one of, of those, the Mitsubishi family. And one of those companies is a terrible car manufacturer. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, they're not as bad as Ford. Okay. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. But yeah, so, um, you know, I worked at Mitsubishi, and the first, like, week I was there, I was so depressed yep. so freaked out yeah i was all alone yep. in japan <laughs> so you turned to chumbawamba so i turned to chumbawamba and i always remember my first like eight meals in japan the only place that i felt comfortable going to was the convenience store because in japan there are like thousands upon thousands of convenience stores and yeah. in tokyo they're literally on every single block mm-hmm. And there was a uh, family mart right across the street from my tiny apartment, probably like 200 square foot apartment. Mm-hmm. It literally just had a bed and a desk in Good. a tiny kitchen. Nice. And I'm convenient. Go- the family mart only had a bed and a desk <laughs> in a tiny kitchen. No, no, no. That was my <laughs> apartment. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, and the family mart, I would buy microwavable ramen mm-hmm. and a 32 ounce Sapporo. Of course. Sapporo is like the biggest beer in Japan. Nice. And I would get that for every meal for like eight days because I was so just scared, confused, mm-hmm. depressed, feeling all alone. But then I started working yeah. and I met my coworkers. And he got on that he got on that Chumbawamba bender. I got on <laughs> I went on a Chumbawamba bender. <laughs> and then I went to work fully ready to just blow these Japanese people's mind. Mm-hmm. And my coworkers were so nice and so funny, and it made me love Japanese people awesome. so much. The woman who sat next to me was my mentor, and her name was Yuki. Mm-hmm. And Yuki is still one of my best friends, and we nice. still talk. Yeah, good. That's awesome. Yeah, Yuki and Ryo, they were my homies. And how, was like, how old was Yuki? She was Yuki's old. probably forty-eight. Yeah, that's awesome. And then Ryo was like twenty-six, so Ryo was more the younger guy. And the crazy thing about Japan is. They're very much a prestige-oriented country. Okay. So, especially when it comes to education. So, the fact that I went to Stanford, all the people in this company would see me and they would, like, bow their heads. Yeah. Like, stare at me. Yeah. And, like, expect me to say all these incredibly great things. Mm-hmm. And so, in my project, I was like, well, it seems like no matter what I do, they're going to think I'm amazing. Yeah. So, you just sung... You just sung... I just sung Tub Thumbing by Chumbawamba yeah. as my whole project. Yep. And they cried. <laughs> they cried after I finished. That, that's actually not true, but it was oh, crazy. What? It was just it was a completely different culture yeah. from the U.S. And the reason why I wanted to talk about all this stuff is because it literally took me like three to four weeks to feel comfortable there mm-hmm. and to sort of get over my depression yeah. oh, I remember. and anxiety. Yeah. Like I talked to Dan a bunch about this, but it made me realize like... Humans are super adaptable. Mm-hmm. Like you can put yourself in a really difficult situation, like throw yourself into a foreign country. You don't speak the language fluently. Mm-hmm. You can't read because the characters are just insane. And you can still adapt and you can still thrive. Mm-hmm. And sort of the, the one of the turning points for me was I finally realized I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. And that was when I really got to know my coworkers well. And my um, one of my former 
fraternity president yeah, yeah, yeah. was in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And this guy is just an absolute savage. Describe him a bit. He's short, mm -hmm. fat, All right. from Japan, nice. and he only wears Hawaiian shirts. Great. And this man drank more beer than anyone I've ever met in my entire life. That's awesome. And I had never met this guy before. Mm -hmm. And he messaged me on Facebook being like, hey, I hear you're in Japan. Oh, yeah. And keep in mind that this guy is like the legend of my fraternity. Uh -huh. Like there's a painting of him in a room. Oh boy. Like a six foot by eight foot painting. Oh, I didn't know that. That's sick. It's crazy. And so like, I've heard all these stories about him and he's like this legend, like intimidating guy. And he just texts me on Facebook Messenger like, yo, like let's hang out. And I was like, oh, good God. Yeah. This is the opportunity I remember, yeah, I've been I waiting for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he took me out to this like insanely sick bar. Yeah. And we drank so much beer and ate blood sausages. <laughs> it was literally just like beer and sausages. Did you have sake? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I didn't I didn't do sake with them. That was with yeah. a different group of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with him we did that. We drank a bunch. I got absolutely hammered. Of course. And he, and he was just telling me the craziest stories yes. that I just, I honestly can't even relay because they were just so absurd to me. He was trying to convince me to do something that just horrified me. You, you, I think you can say what that is. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He wanted me to go to a massage parlor. Yeah. And get my butt licked. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. And that was horrifying and that's, to me. That's pretty normal in Tokyo. No? Yeah, that's like a normal thing. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, this culture <laughs> is just mind-blowing. And yeah, we just had a great time. He showed me all the ropes. And it made me feel like, damn, like this guy really cares about me. you all the ropes. <laughs> and so that, that was like a big turning point. So I realized oh. two things. The first thing was that we're adaptable and that, you know, I could adapt to new situations. Mm -hmm. But also that like people are the most important thing. In Very life. Well and this is super similar to what Rashad was saying, how he realized that he had to pursue like real personal relationships yeah. with other people. And so yeah, like that's sort of what made me think about it. Um, and being in Japan, that's where I really, I really took that uh, lesson to heart. That's wonderful. You, you, you really, you really had a, like a hard time. You, I, you got like a month in and I knew this would happen. You got like a month in. I remember you texted me. You're like, wow, I really have like. I'm not really not even halfway done with this. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I was yeah. so daunted by like having to be in Japan for eight weeks on my own. Mm -hmm. um, and then to be fair, one of those weeks was spent with my girlfriend and that was like the best week of my yeah, entire that's, life. That's good. Though. And yeah. so that was like after I had sort of had this, you know, mental shift where mm -hmm. I, I started looking at the positives of my situation, um, realizing that there were a lot of people that I could hang out with and that Tokyo itself is just a beautiful, awesome city. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, with my girlfriend, we went to Kyoto. And let me tell you, Kyoto, Dan, Dan, let me let me tell you. Mm -hmm. Kyoto is the coolest city in the world. Nice. Like, in the world. Yeah. It was so? incredible, yeah. We ate sukiyaki right on the river nice. at this super sick restaurant. That's where, like, a beautiful woman comes and cooks the food right in front of you. Wow, All right. And we got, it was Wagyu beef. Oh wow! Yeah, it Man. was it was incredible. I saved up all the money I earned in Japan yeah. just for that oh, trip. I remember that. Yeah, you spent so, so that I could spend that all of it on insane food. Yeah, and just have an awesome time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's um, that's what I learned in Japan, and you know, I hope that my uh, retelling mm -hmm. of my wonderful time there, my wonderful life changing experience, yes, uh, imparted any wisdom on you, young Daniel, and. 
and also to listeners. the listeners. Yeah, and to the listeners, but mostly yes. for for you, Dan. Yeah, that is the point, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. What did you What did you get from it? Um, I think the main thing that I took from watching you in Japan, uh, watching you just eat copious amounts of ramen, and just insane drink insane amounts of Sapporo. Yeah, is that the, Japan really isn't that great for the digestive system, is it? No, not not at all. That a lot was, of salt over there. A lot of salt, but it's not salt. It's actually uh, miso. Oh, oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Miso, sorry. God damn it! What a sad way to end this podcast. Shout out, Sun Kuma. Thanks for making us a sick beat. Peace. <laughs>